Ladies and gentlemen, for the final time here in the heart of the Balkans in Belgrade, Serbia, in front of St. Sabas Church, we are here at the Euro Survivor, the Balkans, All-Stars finale with our, with our final three, Ian, Kaser, and Tim. Each of you, please welcome yourselves in. Introduce yourselves to the crowd listening in. Hey everyone, uh, it's everybody's favorite asshole Ian here, and I just wanted to give a really big shout out to our host Katie for putting together this amazing season, which honestly, even though it's been long, it hasn't felt that long to me, which is a good sign that, you know, I've had my fun and I got to meet a lot of cool people and I'm extremely thankful for everybody who was part of the season for making it as special and as enjoyable as it was for me. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, and this is everybody's least favorite asshole, Kaser. I'd like to echo everything that Ian just said. It's been a blast, and I can't wait to see how it all turns out. Hey, guys, it's your Season 2 champion, Tim. Uh, I've had a blast playing this game, and a big shout-out to the other top, uh, members of the top three, Ian and Kaser. You guys have been amazing. Uh, don't know what I would have done this season without you, so I'm excited to see how this plays out. Well, I think it's safe to say the season would be a lot different if the three of you weren't here, but that's beside the point. So here we are. We are at the final three. This is the final Tribal Council. The votes are all in at this point. There is nothing left to happen except to read the votes in about 90, 90 to 100 minutes from now. There are 20 votes in that urn. Has it occurred to any of you as you finish answering your questions today that we have enough, we have more jury votes in this urn tonight than we have sometimes players in an org. Ian, has that ever occurred to you before now? There are literally more votes in there than there are players in about half the orgs. I, I mean, I definitely complain about this during the season to multiple people, that there are so many jury votes that I dread actually making the finale and having to answer as many questions. And you know, there were definitely points during the FTC where I felt like, man, this is too much. I'm so tired. But... Uh, I would say it adds such an interesting dynamic to the FTC experience where you, you really can't predict the votes accurately. Anything can happen. And that's what feels to me like the outcome tonight is so up in the air. And that's exciting. That, that to me is very exciting. Where You're part of an FTC where it could go either way, depending on who answers whom better or worse. And I think more than the sheer volume, it's the unpredictability that is because of the volume that is what excites me the most. And it's what I'm looking forward to the most. But yeah, it's definitely a unique experience and one I'm glad that I was able to be a part of. Yeah, I think um, having this big of a jury means we're in for a lot of surprises. It was definitely kind of exhausting at Final Tribal Council just seeing all the questions that were going up. But And sometimes it feels a little bit like we're trying to sort out the Electoral College or something like that with how many votes there are. But I'm really hoping you got the CNN map rented for tonight so that we can see all the graphics that go along with it. Uh, I'm of a similar mindset. Uh, it is a lot of jurors. And I've gone on record previously saying that I feel like every juror should have had the opportunity to play with every member of the final three. Hasn't been the case for any of the three of us. So it's going to be interesting to see how those people break down how they're going to vote, because I feel like they're the biggest wild cards. And, and naturally, I mean, they would be, and obviously, I mean, although to be fair, I mean, you look at, there's precedent for that in the real Survivor. You look back to the first season we had in a large jury in Cook Islands, Brad, uh, Rebecca, Jenny, they 
did not have any encounters with, I believe, Ozzy, uh, as far as I remember. So there is precedent for that um, on the real show, and I think it does add to a level of unpredictability. And the other thing, too, yeah, remember, this cast was a cast of, of 35 people, so I feel like making it the 22nd place, 21st place, in a season of this size, I think it's fair to say, that still, even if it's going relatively early, you still outlasted a very large amount of people, and that's one of the reasons I made the jury so big. I felt like finishing 21st, 20th place in a cast of 35 is something, especially an all-star game, you know, you outlasted almost half the people, you should have some sort of payoff for that. And Ian, you can agree or disagree, and I'll let you all weigh in on that. Right, I, I do I do get where you're coming from, Where and especially being an all-star season, the competition is so fierce. We're all coming in with all sorts of baggage. So to outlast, you know, a third of the cast is is an is an accomplishment in and of itself. So to be rewarded for that by being part of the jury, yeah, I get it. Um, I think on the flip side, it's just that those jurors just feel like they have to wait too long for the FTC. So there's definitely drawbacks from the juror perspective. But I I would say the pros outweigh the cons in that regard. Like yeah, definitely you feel like okay, you've checked that mark. Like you've made the jury and you're part of the final decision of the season, a season that is so massive and it's like a celebration of sorts. So yeah, I, I do think it's, it's good to have that for the jurors. Okay, so Tim, you care, care to weigh in on this or we can go forward, it's up to you guys. I think Ian said my thoughts perfectly. Yeah, yeah, he, he stated things while well, I still stand by my opinion that everybody should have the opportunity to play with the final three. But, you know, it's not how things worked out. And, you know, congratulations to the 19 jurors. That's massive. Yes, and uh, the pre-jury peanut gallery was active as well. We unfortunately did not get votes from JC, Ika, and Haley. Um but, um, you know, we got votes from the rest of them. So we got 29 out of 32 people who are voted out to cast votes this season. And I think that, too, is a testament to everyone who was here wanted to be here. And I think that makes for a very interesting night tonight. So the one thing I want to hit on with all of you is how is it going to feel tomorrow, guys, when you wake up and you realize that you're no longer playing this game? Because when you checked in on March 12th, that was 52 days ago, almost two weeks longer than an actual Survivor season, which means you've been playing this game again for 52 straight days against the best of the best. And when all the dust is settled, all the blood has been spilled, the three of you sit here tonight, one of you is going to be the winner. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's like, uh, what's the word? Rehab? It's almost like going to rehab after a game ends where you're, you're so used to the drug of you know, playing survival for so long that you have to find something else to occupy not only your time, but like even mentally, you're spending so much of your mental bandwidth in thinking about the game and, you know, what's going to happen, how, how to survive, how to win. So it's, it's a relief, but it's also a huge void that's there for, at least in my experience, it's there for like one or two days. And, you know, depending on the outcome, it's going to be a lot of what ifs oh, what if I could have done this? Or what if that would have happened? So e even though the game ends, you don't automatically start thinking, stop thinking about the game, uh, just, you know, at least for the first couple of days. So it's definitely like an adjustment period that goes on. And, you know, it's, it's all part of the experience for me. Uh, thinking about the game and playing the game, they, they go hand in hand. And so 
it'll only be like completely and definitively over once like my mind is completely off and that's not going to happen for a, at least a few more days but yeah it, it's it's going to be an interesting adjustment period for sure yeah um i think definitely after tonight i'm going to be looking through confessionals on the board listening to the like cast assessment that was recorded those are like my favorite things when I'm watching a game that I'm not playing. I wish they'd assess me, even though I'm not in the cast, just because I'd love, like, I'm interested in hearing what people would have to say. Um, so it's going to take some processing time after that. But I'm also going to be really glad that I won't have the board tab and Slack open on my work computer. So I don't have to worry about kids like seeing that in the middle of class. Um, yeah, it'll be surreal. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've been in the finale, so I'm not quite sure how that's going to work and it's definitely this is the first time i've been in the finale of a game this big but i imagine there will be some complicated feelings about that i for one i'm excited that tomorrow i won't have to get up and think about this game it's been 52 days of strategizing socializing and i'm you know i'm tired but what i am excited for is to start working on those relationships that i started building in the game because now I get to talk to these individuals without the stress of having to vote them out. And, you know, that, al that always weighs in. That always weighs in. And, it, and now we get to see if these relationships were real. And I'm really excited to see that because I didn't have the opportunity to work on those after I won season two. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, turning over a new leaf for you, for sure. So um, the next thing I'm going to get into, and this is more of a personalized question. Um, well, actually, I'm going to segue off that and on to something else and then get back to that one. So um, the one thing I want to kind of note out, um, which makes this Final Three very unique in a, in a, some people might say a good way, some people might say a bad way. Uh, first of all, it's our first all-male Final Three. That's not really relevant because, you know, this is technically an alias game. Um, however, the one thing I want to point out is we have the three finalists include Ian, one of three people who have played three times, the only one to make the merge three times, and now the person who by far and away has the record of most rounds competed in in Euro Survivor. You played 13 rounds the first time you played, you played 15 rounds the second time you played, you played all 22 rounds this time, you add the finale, that means you've played 51 rounds of Euro Survivor, Ian, and Kaser and Tim, as for the other two of you, neither of you have ever experienced being voted out and despite that, the three of you sit here at the end, two people again who were never voted out, one of them a winner, and Ian, who has played 50 rounds of this game. What does that say collectively about the three of you and your ability to be tenacious and grind and outlast? This is your chance to kind of shoot your own horn. Because really, if you think about it, um, you know, if you think about it just like on a, on a threat level, on a threat level basis, you know, people should have probably come for you at some point, considering... Winner, never voted out, and Ian has played more rounds than anybody. And yet the three of you, when the dust settled, are sitting up here tonight. One of you is the winner. So I think that speaks to our ability to work together and like sort of identify each other as mutual threat shields for each other and sort of stay true to that all the way, um, which, which is really hard to do because it's really hard to overcome that um, temptation to take a shot at a threat when it's available. And that, that just speaks to like our ability to sort of, you know, not fall for that temptation and ensure that we only take the shot when it's most beneficial to us. Or like in our case, like Tim and I never took a shot at each other. Uh, and then Kezar, you know, he waited until final four to take a shot at me, presumably because he th saw me as a shield. 
protecting him. So I think that just speaks to our ability to recognize the correct shields for each other in a way that propels all of us together in a meaningful way. Because there were definitely other threats in the game, you know, like Sue, Dorothy, Walking, all threats in their own right. And those also could have been shields for us. But you have to weigh in which shield is beneficial versus which shield is going to be, a, you know, a detriment down the line. And I think that's, that's what we sort of excelled on and capitalized on, like identifying the correct people to shield not only ourselves, but each other from the people coming after us or wanting us eliminated for different. Um, yeah, I think in All-Stars games, especially when you've got, like, people who everybody kind of has a general awareness of what kind of a game we all played in our first season. And if you have been in this community long enough, you also realize that certain people have reputations for playing really big games in lots of different places. So I think there is, like, a strategic advantage to be gained if people who have bigger reputations stick together. But we weren't, like Ian said... We weren't the only big reputations in this game. Like, there were plenty of major threats around. And I think the fact that we're here at the end, it is kind of cool. Um, we were not always a happy family, that's for sure. But... No. It, <laughs> oh, man, not at all. Um, no. <laughs> Myra wants a shout-out in the chat, so I'm going to give her a shout-out. Hey, Myra, you, you're a, you have a big reputation. You're a threat. But... um. I think it is cool, though, because, like, at the beginning of this game, if we ever got a challenge that was an endurance competition, the moment it was posted, my immediate thought was, Ian is going to stay up for 24 hours. Like, that wasn't ever a question. It was just a matter of fact. And knowing that we were in a season with competition this high makes getting to the end feel a lot sweeter. Uh, I echo a lot of what the two of them have been saying. Yes, everybody had a big reputation. I think it speaks volumes that the three of us are sitting at the end when there have been such tenacious, passionate players in the game. Like 34, 35 people total. Um, and you've got three guys who managed to stick it out. Uh, I, I built relationships with them on my end. That was a foundation of trust. And for, and, and from my point of view, it was never a point of voting at either of them out, whether or not they were a threat to my game or not. And I feel like it was mutual for the most part. Oh, for sure. And I'm going to pivot away from uh, the three of you individually. This question is just for uh, Ian and Kayser. And I do think, I know Tim might get a little embarrassed here, but I'm going to do it because I think it rightfully needs to be said. Um, so to Ian and Kayser, you're both, regulars in this community. Tim, on the other hand, is not. Tim joined Euro Survivor Benelux after about a five-year layoff. He replaced somebody at the last minute, ended up winning the game. Five years later, his last game was Euro Survivor Benelux. Um, so he went from 2011, which is a whole other era of orgs, into 2016, which was kind of the beginning of the new era we're in now, to 2021, which is fully the era we're in now. And he made he won the first time and, you know, I know that you both, and I know you all had frustrations with each other at times, and I know that sometimes you guys butted heads with Tim. Um, and, you know, some people even thought that Tim was coming into this final tribal council as the heavy underdog. Um, so I want you both to kind of say, I think it needs to be said, this guy won his original season. He's sitting up here again. I think, I think we, we both should give some words of appreciation to the fact that Tim is sitting in the final three as a winner coming into this. And I think 
you both, I think, deserve, I think you both should acknowledge that um, and say anything you'd like about how impressed you are with the fact that Tim is sitting up here. Um, definitely. And even throughout the season, I was constantly amazed at how completely, like, under underrated or what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like, people didn't underestimated yes thank you like he was underestimated like i remember during the natalie elimination i legitimately thought that it would be between natalie and tim i thought i'd be safe because tim's a former winner tim's coming into this with a reputation for you know season 2 he was cutthroat but like he was amazing strategically and like he won and i thought okay it'll be natalie or tim depending on jen's preference but i find out that no it's not tim at all i'm the one who's being targeted and i'm like how why why is this happening and it it just speaks to like tim's ability to make himself be underestimated and yet still have those strong relationships with people where in the end he's not a complete goat like i i don't think any of us were a complete goat which is pretty impressive going into a season this big because you think that somebody would be considered like underestimated or hated by people but that wasn't the case here and especially to people who viewed season 2 and who viewed what tim was able to accomplish during that season even for those people to not really actively go after him for so long because like i i don't think tim got that many votes and he wasn't a serious consideration as a target at too many tribal councils um so it's it's really really impressive how he's able to sort of shrink his massive target that he should have had coming into this uh add to that he, he didn't even have like the connections in the community that Kezar and I had because like you said Kezar and I are regular players so there are a lot of people who we came in knowing you know how they play what they value and it's it's easier for us to befriend people that we already know tim didn't even have that advantage so he was basically starting from scratch as somebody who has a massive reputation and he was able to make it here almost unchallenged and that's pretty amazing in my opinion Yeah, I think Ian said it better than I ever could, so I'm going to defer to him on this answer. Tim did well, a great I job. Mean, you know, yeah, we all, again, you know, I think it is impressive. And again, I think you factor in too, you know, like Ian said, and, you know, again, I do want to harp. So, and I know Tim had a rough time a couple of times, especially with, you know, his medical issue at the end. You know, again, I think it's even more impressive case where you think about, you know, Tim went five years between playing in 2016, came in one, and it's been five years again. Um, so it's been over a decade since Tim last had his torch snuffed in a game. Think about that for a second. That's amazing. I <laughs> flush. Stop. <laughs> it's very I impressive. Hope, yes. And, you know, we're very glad. So um, we're going to now pivot to this is kind of for individual each of you. I'll start with Ian. I'll go down the line. So for Ian, like I mentioned, you have played three seasons. You're one of three people to do that um and i think this question is specifically tailored to you because you obviously just like me you've played everything under the sun um so what draws you to keep coming back to play euro survivor you mentioned yourself in your final five confessional you mentioned you know sometimes you don't always write the most you know detailed confessional sometimes you lax on that sometimes you have a lackadaisical attitude um it was mentioned at final tribal council but obviously i don't think that's the takeaway this series does mean something to you so what keeps you coming back besides the fact that you're friends with me i hope that's not the only reason uh what is the allure <laughs> of this series to you and how proud are you to be sitting here tonight so i i think initially when i played the first time it was obviously because i was friends with you and like i like i like the look of this series a lot 
and a, a huge part of that was i remember you picking out my character ian for me and at the time i was i didn't agree with the choice i was like no ian doesn't feel like the right fit for me but you were very adamant like no ian would be a perfect fit for me and as i played season 2 i realized that yes that that is true that you know i resonate a lot with ian and his survivor journey and that's been reflected in my own euro journey so that's the first that that's the reason i played the first time the second time i came back i i felt like my story was incomplete in euro 2 i felt like i couldn't do everything that i you know i wanted to and you know i sort of left uneventfully i i was like i have more to offer to this series than what i was able to show in season 2 and i was a much different player in season 5 as compared to season 2 so i wanted to see my own personal growth uh, from like the ian in season 2 to what ian can do in season 5 and uh, like you touched on the, the lackadaisical approach like i felt i feel like i was a lot lazier in season 5 uh, as compared to this season and you know that that didn't sit right with me either i was like sure i, I you know i played a decent game in season 5 i i got reasonably far maybe i might have won if i made made it to the end we'll never know but i still felt like my story was still a bit incomplete and internally i felt like i had more to offer to the to the series as a whole and especially the character of ian i felt like i could do more with the character uh and that i think this time around i feel like i did it proper justice like i did the character of ian proper justice i felt like i gave enough of myself to the series where i can feel content okay i did everything that i imagined myself doing back in season 2 or back in season 5 and i can be happy with whatever the result may be because i played in a way that makes me at peace with it um the series itself you know i i like how competitive it is like i know how much of it you put into it and you you're detailed in the planning and you know you have a vision for how the series is going to be and i've always like respected that vision and i also wanted to see like you know how has euro changed from season 2 all the way to season 6 and you know i thought like it it went in a good direction and i i really like where the series is at right now and i wanted to be part of you know this amazing experience so i don't know if that answered your question there was a lot of like tangents but yeah uh, it's mostly been my my own personal journey of the character of ian uh, through the eyes of you know euro which has kept me coming back Well, I, I appreciate that. You definitely have a unique perspective. You and Tiffany are the only ones who have played season two, season five, and season six. Uh, obviously, Tiffany has not had the success that you have. So we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to Kaser. Um, and Kaser, I want to go into you because you have a very interesting. Yours is interesting because you come into this. You were one of two third places to play. The other one was JP. Um, but I think the thing with you was, and I could tell coming into this, and you'll listen to this. on the uh, the pregame podcast although we went in depth on how how redemptive the runner ups must have felt coming into this i think you took it to that same level maybe even above because you were talking to me even before the game started about how you know your loss at the final tribal council of deutschland has kind of haunted you for these now two and a half years um so just you know t- talk us through that a little bit talk about why it haunted you and also i do want to acknowledge and i'm going to go on record and say i think if you're in the final 3 in any other season you probably win but you were in the season with what is still even no disrespect to the three of you the strongest final 3 combination in the history of the series it was just your bad luck that you were up there with Sue and Chrissy um so we're going to talk about just again you know This this game from the beginning, Kaiser, it felt like I could feel it in your energy. This meant 
way more to you. And I'm not saying it didn't mean a lot to everyone else, but there was something different about the drive you had. It was almost, it wasn't an unhealthy fixation, but it was a serious, like a determination and iron will kind of a deal. So take us through that and your experience as a whole here this time. Gotcha. Okay. So this is going to be a long answer. Um, That's fine. I asked the wrong question. (laughs) But first, I think it should be noted that while we're having this podcast, Kenny has posted a picture of fish tacos on the Slack. So some things never change. And I just want that. Look away. Look away. I want that fact to live on in history. So I'm saying that there. Okay. So orgs, broadly, I talked about this in my final tribal council posts a little bit, but. I am on the autism spectrum, and I did not find out that I was on the autism spectrum until my junior year of college in kind of a wild series of coincidences that put me in touch with the people who could make that diagnosis. And for a long time, reality shows like Survivor and Big Brother were a pathway in to me improving parts of myself that I wasn't super proud of or super accomplished in. Because you had these games that were set up to actively incentivize making social connections and actively show you that if you put in the work to be social and form meaningful relationships, you can get rewarded. And that was something that for a long time was just kind of invisible to me. Like I didn't fit in in school for a number of reasons. The autism wasn't the only thing. Like I was a big nerd. Like it's fine. I brought my Yu-Gi-Oh cards to school. Like all sorts of stuff going on there. But Playing orgs, every time I play an org, I feel like I learn a little bit more about myself and I learn a little bit more about what I'm actually capable of when I invest the energy into those parts of my life. I've never won an org before. And the more orgs that I play, the bigger that target becomes for me. Like it's a goal I'm chasing after. The closest I ever felt like I got to winning an org was season four of Euro Survivor because I found like, 36 idols or however many that was i like knew where the votes were going to be i felt very confident about my game going into that final tribal council i was up against some really big competition but more importantly when i found all those advantages i sort of turned off the social side of my game and i wasn't putting as much into the relationships with who would who would eventually be the jurors as i should have so when final tribal council came People looked at the idols and were like, ah, that's all you got. We're going to vote for the other two people. And that's no slight against Sue. That's no slight against Chrissy. They both earned every single vote that they got. Like, I am not bitter in that regard. I feel like Sue was a great winner of that season. But it also just kind of added to the drive for me to, like, join a game and really go for it and put all of the things that I've learned to the test going up to that final tribal council. And I think here... I was able to do some really successful things. Like I was really proud of that. So regardless, win or lose, I'm going to walk away from this game feeling like I played a strong game and I played a game that was not just advantages. Sure, I found idols, but that wasn't the only part of my game. And I'm going to be really happy with that regardless of the result. Uh, I'm glad to hear that, Kaser. And uh, I want to go on record as the host again. You know, I know the outcome of tonight and I'm not going to say anything, but I hope you know win or lose. I would agree that your game here was, especially on the social end, uh, a massive improvement from Deutschland. You played very, very well there. So I hope that that, you know, the vote of confidence from the host too, I know that you don't need it for validation, but I do hope that it adds to that feeling regardless of the outcome tonight. Because like you said, I mean, you all feel like it's going to be close and there's really no way to tell. Thank you.
you know, I do want it known. And like I said, I would have been thrilled had you won Deutschland. I agreed with most of the jury, but I feel like this time, um, I feel like this time it's not going to, that's not going to be the reason if you don't take home the title, I don't, that's not going to be the reason why, in my opinion, it wouldn't be because you turned off the social game because you were playing the social game basically from the minute that you checked in here. I think that, would you say that's a fair assessment? Like you said, you were, you were, you were on go from the minute you stepped on the mat. Yeah, I definitely like, I knew this is my first All-Stars game ever, and I knew I wanted to come in and work for it. Like, I wanted to prove that I belonged, and I feel like I've done that. Uh, you absolutely have, without a doubt. I mean, you proved you belong before you came in here, but uh, I'm glad to hear you got the validation. And now we turn over to Tim. This is going to be more of a, of a nuanced conversation with you, Tim, because uh, you lamented to me uh, for several years prior to this season that you don't want to play the All-Star season. Uh, you're retired. You're washed up. Whatever the word's going to be, but yet here you sit again in the final three, um, you know, and so I want to know on record officially, even though you didn't want to be here, let me just call you out. Um, you had your mom message me from your Skype account to tell me that you had a seizure. Um, you, you talked to me pretty much every day about what was going on. You confessed every single round. You're the only player to have actually confessed a substantive confessional every single episode. Um, you put everything you had, you even got into a fight with me over the Exile Island disaster in round seven. So those aren't the, and you told me, and you said in Final Trouble Council that you researched on these players before you came into this game. So for someone who quote unquote didn't want to be here, you sure did a lot of things uh, that made it seem like you really did want to be here and, and it meant something to you. So on the record officially, uh, what would it mean to you to be a two-time winner? What does it mean to you to be sitting here in the finals as the only winner to make it here, as the only winner standing, and this series as a whole, uh, what does it mean to you? Because you even said in 2016 that you took lessons from that final tribal and applied it to your real life. Sure. So first of all, I heard Tiffany's name come up in, uh, in your question to Ian. Tiffany is amazing. Put that on the record. Uh, second of all, Casey, I'm super proud of your game, and I just wanted to respond to your amazing analogy of your own game. Thirdly, it means a lot to me that I'm in this position. Uh, yeah, I made it pretty clear. I didn't have any intentions in playing this season. I, I just don't have, I don't feel like I have the chops to continue these games and continue to be who I want to be as an individual. Um, 2016 was hard because I, I won that season, but I was not in a good place when I finished it. And I took a bunch of those lessons, and I've applied them to my life. So sitting here for me is validation that those lessons that I started implementing in my work life, in my personal life, uh, are working. Because I played a completely different game this time around, and I'm proud of the way I played. And I am proud of the people I got to play it with and the people that let me into their lives that I let into my life. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful for the experience having done it, but Jesus Christ, don't bring me back again. Well, like I said, um, you know, I do intend to do a generation two. Um, if, if a generation two does get as far as I want it to get, the next All-Stars would be season 11. It would mostly be generation two people, although I'll leave the door open for a couple of you gen oneers. You'll find out more about that in the coming months, I'm sure. 
Um, the winner of this will get the automatic spot in the season 11, but that's, you know, long down the road. Um, you seem to insist, Tim, that there's no way that that automatic spot is going to go to you. Um, why do you feel like there's no way you could come out with the votes tonight? I mean, I set foot in this game and not once did I think I've got a shot at winning. I wanted to show who I was now. And to me, how I've played previously, that's the, that has been the right equation for me to win this game. And that's not the person who I am now. And the fact that I'm sitting here, I feel is great. But I do think the other two played incredibly strong games. And I just don't know if mine shows up as well next to the two of theirs. Well, and, you know, uh, we'll know soon. Yeah. And I mean, I just hats off to the two of them and how they played. I, amazing. I feel like I played a great game. I don't necessarily know if I played a winning game, though. You know, it's it's a fine line to walk between, uh, you know, a, a winning game and a great game, um, because those two things, and I'll let Ian weigh in on this a little bit. You know, Kaser mentioned that he hasn't won, um, you know, how much it would mean to him to win. So, Ian, you also, you know, you and Tim both have won uh, before. So, you know, Ian, I guess I'll throw that, kind of gives me a good question to ask you. What, in your opinion, is the line between a winning game, a great game, and a winning game? What is that secret formula? Because, I mean, I've, I've won two, but it's been several years for me. Uh, you know, you've been winning recently. So what do you think that, what's that magic formula? Because, I mean, Kate is eluded Kaser, and Tim kind of mentioned he feels like he played a great game, but not a winning game. So what do you think it is? Um... I think, I mean, I'm, I have a different perspective from what Tim is maybe alluding to. Uh, in my opinion, a great game unfortunately gets cut short before it's allowed to reach to the end, barring, you know, special circumstances of, you know, immunities and winning out. So the difference between a great game and a winning game is a great game peaks too early and a winning game peaks right when it's needed to peak, which is either right before the end or at the very end. And... Um, I think Tim maybe is saying something else because he focused more on relationships as opposed to, you know, controlling things or necessarily what he felt like he needed to do to win. I'll let him correct me if I'm wrong. But to me, I think what what happens is we get so caught up in this game and we want to do the very best that we are able to do. And that at times works to our detriment because when we do exceedingly well in certain aspects of the game, it doesn't go unnoticed. And if it doesn't go unnoticed, then people aren't going to let you make it to the end to sort of present your great game that you've played to the other jurors because it's a threat to them. It's something that they don't want to contend with. So, and to me, that's, that's part of why I've been able to win, at least in my opinion, because I don't peak too early. I, and maybe my lackadaisical approach you know, helps with that, but I tend to peak at the very end. And that always helps me because having a strong end game, having that, you know, last bit of momentum at the end is something that the jurors are able to, you know, appreciate and, and award because it's sort of the last thing that they remember about me, that I had a strong finish. And because of that, the sort of early weaknesses of my game get hidden. Whereas I think at least from what I've seen from Kazer, he's strong from the very beginning. He's strong. He puts everything into it, and that doesn't go unnoticed. Uh, this game being sort of the exception, because even here he was sort of putting his all into it from very early on. But at least for me, from what I've seen, that's been the difference between Kazar's great game, and he's not able to reach the end 
to sort of win the great games that he's played. And that's different for me because, you know, I, I'm not that consistent throughout. I have these bursts where I'm good and somewhere I'm bad. And that's not necessarily a negative if you get to the end because you don't need every jury vote to win at the end. You only need one more than the people sitting next to you. Uh, and that's also something that, you know, it, it's helpful when there are points in your game where they're weak. And so other people have a false sense of security that, oh, maybe he can be beaten because he was weak at so-and-so points. Uh, you know, but that doesn't necessarily turn out to be the case. And that's just been my experience where if you have the ability to peak at the correct time and you're able to sort of pace yourself throughout the game, because games are long, even if they're not 35 people, these games do tend to be long and you know, taxing on you mentally. And if you're able to sort of pace yourself with regards to that, you have a much better chance to win at the end, as opposed to if you're just going full throttle the whole time. Yeah, that is true. Um, you know, and that is definitely true. It depends on the approach. I mean, you can definitely win if you're a front runner from the beginning, although it's harder to do that. Although, like you mentioned, the case is credit. I think Kaser was a major contender to win it from uh, the word go, and he's sitting up here. And speaking of that, Kaser. Uh, you truly are the man with all the tools because in season four, like you mentioned, you had two immunity idols, a legacy advantage, uh, the, the infamous love potion this season. You found the captain's pass at Exile Island, which we have to talk about a little bit because it led you to finding uh, the quote-unquote caser-proofed idol. And you can talk about that, how you got that. You've got the Alada idol after Kelly left with it. And you got the music idol, which is another idol that we literally case-approved, and you still came up with it. So truly, I mean, you found five idols in this series and three advantages for a total of eight over two seasons. Quite frankly, probably a completely unbreakable record. Like, what is the method to the madness here? Because uh, we got to give props to it. I mean, I don't know if there's a method to the madness, especially with this season. Because the exile idol, getting that required me to be on exile with Chrissy together. I didn't go for the idol the first trip I went to exile. I went for the grid. Random stroke of luck, flip over the captain's pass. At the same time that Chrissy is going for the idol and gets right up to the end and isn't able to finish it. And then I'm in a position to explain to her, like, look, I'm going to be at exile again next round because I got this captain's pass. You have the screenshots. I want to work with you. We talked about that beforehand. Like, if you give me these screenshots, I can get this idol and make sure we control it. Like, there are so many variables in that situation that if you change one of them, I don't get that idol. There was no way I was going to find all those screenshots on my own. And there was no way I was going to find them with enough time to finish that terrible jigsaw puzzle to get to the final step of the puzzle. And then I think it's true with the Alada idol too, right? Like. I don't think anybody could control the fact that Kelly did not play that idol after she got it, right? So the fact that it got rehidden was just, like, again, kind of a stroke of luck. But I think overall, like, I'm just trying. Like, not to say that you're if you're not getting idols, you're not trying. That's not what I want to say. But, like, every time I saw an edge in Season 4 or here, I took it, and I put the effort into getting it. And sometimes it didn't pay off. Sometimes it meant I focused way too much on cryptograms rather than, you know, actually fucking talking to people. But I I don't know. I'm kind of proud that I'll have that record. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to be able to beat eight advantages uh, as long as we, because quite frankly, most seasons I don't stick eight advantages into a game, even over two seasons. Um, by the way, um, just speaking of the Exile Island grid, uh, this is more for the audience listening in right now. Um, 
once, uh, once the votes are read, in fact, maybe even before, since I'm still uploading J-Hud's podcast over here, and that might be pushed back until after 9 o'clock, and I'll, like, open the, I'll do the popularity poll, and I'll put all the podcasts up while I do that. Um, anyway, um, I will reveal where on the grid everything was, because I don't know about you guys, Tim, Ian, you can win. I'm sure you're all curious where everything was, because there were a total of 10 items on the grid, plus two pre-merge idols, plus the, uh, the Servija white idol uh, was re-hidden there after that tribe went extinct without it being found. So it's in production where all those are. I'm sure you're all curious where everything actually was. I'm more curious to see what the 10 items actually were, uh, because I don't think I actually had like a list of what has been played or what was available. So definitely, yeah, curious to see what, what that looked like. <laughs> I've well, got a complete yeah. list. Yeah, most of my uh, my thinking about the items was clouded by a certain fake item, so I would also love to see that <laughs> list. Okay, you know what, that actually, while I pull up, while I pull up uh, where these items were, because I'm sure there are plenty of other people who are curious, and what these items were. Uh, Tim, we got to talk about that point in your game. So first of all, five trips to Exile Island, uh, but I think the biggest thing that happened to you uh, was your experience in the padded room of solitary confinement. Take us through what that was like to get suddenly whisked away for three rounds, how you adapted to it, and uh, just how devastated you were with all three ladies who were voted out in the rounds you were gone and not there to help them, because you really felt the loss of all three of those people who left when you weren't there to help them. It's kind of embarrassing. It's just the range of emotions that I had over the course of that week were expansive. Uh, I went from not really understanding why I was selected to go into solitary to losing Carrie the next round and seeing Red and sobbing and crying to the hosts. And then Sue left, who is somebody I've really enjoyed talking to and, is, and was a potential ally for me. And then Nikki left. And I was just like, fuck my life. Because every ally I had or potentially had, all my close ones were gone. And, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe I'll just go back into the game and burn the whole, whole cast down. And I, right after Carrie got voted out, um, as it was alluded to, I made a fake advantage and um, used, played it. Not in a way that I probably should have. Um, whatever with that. Uh, but it was at the time it was used to kind of keep so anybody at bay that might have potentially been after me when I came back from exile, having now lost all my a, a bunch of my allies. Turns out that Weasel Caser was the one that sent my girl home, and you know it's it is what it is. It's sad. But, I mean, I, uh, I, I applaud the gameplay because him thinking that far outside the box to eliminate Carrie and still retain all those that were close to him, brilliant play. Yeah, it certainly was a blind side. It was one of the big ones. And it sent, uh, it sent Nikki and Jen into, into tailspins that they ultimately uh, did not recover from because neither of them are sitting here uh, in the final three. Yeah. And they had a good chance to sit there when Carrie was, uh, was in the game. So... Uh, let's talk more about that blood vote, and I'll let Ian and Casey weigh on it after Tim talks about it. So, um, for those who may not have followed the game after they were voted out, 
What did you say the blood vote did? Again, I want to maintain it was a completely fake advantage. There was no <laughs> advantage for solitary confinement. You got nothing. Um, you sent the game into mass hysteria over it. Um, and Ian and Case are going to talk about their experiences with it. But you called it a blood vote. So take us through why you came up with this. Um, and, you know, and maybe what, what you claimed it did and how you got away with nobody calling you on it being fake. Because I was truly like, no one's going to believe this thing is real. And pretty much everyone but Jennifer believed it was real. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Um, you know, I was passionate, to say the least, when, when uh, Carrie got eliminated. That uh, I was sad, I was pissed. Um, so I was like, let's go ahead and make this advantage. You know, we may play it, we, we may not use it at all. Who, I mean, really, I'll see what it's, how I feel at, at any given point in time. And so the blood vote, what I said happened with it was when I, I did a special challenge in solitary. And uh, at the end of the challenge, I had an opportunity to get a power. And that opportunity was I had to select two names and something would happen with one of those names if they were accurate. And so I made a fake advantage. I dyed the vote red. I put Carrie's name on it and I crossed it out. And I basically, I called it the blood vote and uh, it mimicked sort of a, a, a little bit of a power I had seen about 15 years ago when I played an online reality game. And it uh, basically what I mim had it mimicked was you would be able to be the only vote cast at a tribal council and eliminate any potential advantages that were there. And, you know, it, it, it was meant with good intentions for the people that I was working with. I just it didn't quite finish that way. But, you know, it was, it was an interesting experience. And, I mean, I guess it, sent, it caused a lot of craziness so it certainly caused its fair <laughs> share of chaos so <laughs> it, ian and caser um you know what were your reaction you found out this thing was real and i remember uh i think it says a lot about just how overpowered euro survivor advantages were once upon a time i've really neutered them quite a bit but you both saw that power and were like no i could totally see katia throwing this into this game Right. Uh, I, I think I, I have a dedicated confessional just to the power when I'm ranting about it and I'm sort of trying to understand the logic behind it. So I, I did convince myself at a certain point that this could be real and if it is real, that I hate I hate it, absolutely hate it. But to me, the I think the tipping point for Tim, at least like me believing it was real or not, where he started changing the rules of the, the thing, how it worked, sort of like along the way. And that's when, like, Kaiser and I discussed it, and I told him, I point blank told him, I feel like he's just making things up as he goes at this point. And that being said, I think we were still operating under the assumption that it could potentially be real and how to sort of protect against it. And more so to speak on why it was as, like, negatively received as it ended up being, was it felt like a scare tactic, right? Which, you know, probably was the intention. But... That's not a good feeling when, when you feel like you're being scared into doing something. It, it tends to have the opposite effect. Like, I, it tends to make me angrier when somebody's trying to scare me into doing something. Um, granted that I don't think Tim's intentions were targeted towards me because I, you know, I wanted Carrie to stay. I had nothing to do with it. So like, KSR took more of the brunt of it. But that's where I feel like it sort of 
you know, fell apart, where it felt like a scare tactic. It felt a very in-your-face, you know, do what I want you to do sort of thing. And that's where sort of the negative feedback from it came. Uh, but like, on the other hand, it's insanely creative. And the fact that he was able to present it in a way where there was still reasonable doubt about it being real or being fake. It speaks to how, like, how ingenuine, like, how ingenious Tim is uh, with, you know, just how he thinks about the game and his approach and, you know, the way he approaches things. So props to him for coming up with something that could have definitely been a huge benefit to him if sort of like the reception to it was a little bit better. But I'll, I'll let Kezar sort of expand more on it. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that blood boat fucked me up. Um, early in the merge, I remember thinking like, okay, it is in my best interest to work with Tim, but Tim is not always a happy camper about things. Like I remember specifically on the round where William left when the plan got out that the vote was going to be on William, uh, Tim did not have particularly kind words for us in his alliance that night. So then, having played season four and having found the love potion that randomized votes it canceled and sent Adam out of the game on a complete luck of the draw moment, I was like, okay, this has got to be real. This is our love potion. This is our thing that is going to um, be overpowered that we have to work around. So when Tim got back from solitary confinement, I was like, okay, the new name of the game is keep Tim happy at all times so that he doesn't get angry, fly off the handle, and just blood vote me out. Especially sitting on idols that I knew the blood vote was supposed to cancel. And I should have doubted that when I started trying to work with Tim proactively as a plan for how we could use the blood vote to like get the most advantage out of it. And that's when he told me he'd lose his vote on the following round if he played it. Like I should have been like, oh wait, he changed his story. Like this is a red flag. But I was just so into like working through this advantage that I was like, okay, whatever. I just still got to deal with it. And then it didn't help that Ian told me his um, suspicions about the blood vote being faked on the final six round, where I'm already in this conversation with Tim about how I think I want to get Jen out of here because I think she could organize some votes there at Endgame that wouldn't be great for us because she's complained about Tim and she's voiced criticism of like getting me to the end. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And we're kind of getting tense right then. And that's when I find out the blood vote is not real. And that's when I find out that it was an intimidation tactic. And I felt very, very manipulated and very very uh i felt it was like just a really not great look and not the kind of energy that i want to be dealing with in an ally and then of course because things were already heated things escalated from there which led to the big fight with tim but yeah the blood boat definitely gets my vote for my least favorite moment of the season that's for sure Well, definitely. Uh, again, you know, props to props to Tim for finding that and thinking about that. It was definitely a, a wild few moments uh, for the game. So now we're getting into the final hour uh, in the final forty, uh, final fifty-four minutes of Euro Survivor officially, which I think is very surreal, even for me. You know, who has been again? You know, I've been hosting you guys for the last fifty-two days. Um, so. One thing I want to kind of get into now. So one thing I'm actually going to, I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler to, to just give an idea of how close this vote might be, might be, 
This is just the pre-jury. I'm not going to reveal who got the pre-jury's vote, but I am going to reveal this. Out of the 10 pre-jurors who voted, the vote count between them, and I want each of your individual thoughts on this and how much it forecasts the jury's temperature, the vote count for the pre-jury peanut gallery, the person getting the pre-jury's vote, got it by a count of four to three to three. Oh, that's like the perfect split. You know, that's just amazing. Uh, I, I honestly expected it to be a lot more lopsided, at least for the pre-jury. So that is a little bit surprising. But uh, yeah, definitely, I feel like that mirrors the jury sentiment quite a bit. And I think even in Sue's question, when I laid out, you know, which votes I think are going, the split was really crazy. It was really tight. And I felt like it could still go any which way. A few people could change their minds and you know, the outcome could be completely opposite of what I thought it would be. So, yeah, that's, that's really, and honestly, the pre-jury vote being so tight is, is nice. Like, it feels nice to me. I thought I would be completely shut out from that. So, to know that it was pretty close, it's, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, I mean, that tracks with what I said at the beginning. I think we're all going to get votes, plural, and I think it's going to be a tight finish. I mean, uh, Ian and I actually spoke a little bit about who we thought was going to get the, uh, the pre-jury vote, and both of us said, like, it's got to be Kayser, right? Most of us didn't know most of that pre-jury, and Kayser had a great, uh, had a great uh, set of answers in the final travel, so they were reading them. Yeah. Um, but that's super interesting, the fact that it broke down the way that it did. Yeah, it's, it was very, very tight. And I'm very excited to be uh, to be reading these votes in about 50 minutes from right now. Uh, I'm finishing up Jennifer Hudson's podcast. I'm going to put them all up. They'll have all that to enjoy and listen to as well as uh, reading the board. So uh, my question to Ian and Tim, since Kaser is currently uh, away from his keyboard for a minute, um, I'll ask you about this. So out of all the things that are going to open up, there are going to be 35 players confessionals. There are going to be all the tribe The viewers lounge, which unfortunately Euro Survivor notoriously does not have an active viewers lounge. I unfortunately have to say was again that way. We talked a lot in private in DM. There wasn't a lot of discussion on the board. Um, but there's also, uh, there are a total of 16 podcasts up. Adam Lambert's might not be able to go up due to some issues with, uh, with Craig when we were recording. So there'll be 16 exit interviews plus the cast assessment. That was two and a half hours in length on SoundCloud. So out of all of that stuff, what content are you most excited about carousing through over the next couple of days uh, as things open up? And Ian, we'll start with you. Um, I think I would listen to Jen's podcast first and probably her confessionals. First. I hate to break it to you. Jen and I tried for five days to get to work. Jen is not one of the people who spoke to us. We uh, tried. We couldn't oh, get well. to work. Oh, well. I mean, they're still her confessionals. Uh, and other than her, I think Nikki, Nikki's podcast is one I would be re the most interested to listen to. I mean, I'm going to listen to all podcasts, but off the top of my head, those two were like my, the first ones that I would have gone to. Uh, and Nikki's confessionals as well. Uh, after that, I think when I start reading confessionals, I'm going to make my way chronologically like, in the order of people being eliminated. Like those two were like, on, yeah, like, those two were like my go-to ones. Uh. I know Kaser's gone, so I will uh, say I'm going to beeline to that bitch Nikki's confessionals and see if she actually had me as her number one, like she said she did, or, you know, outside of, uh, outside of Carrie, because I'm going to hold it over her if I, if I wasn't in that top two the entirety of the game. 
And um, I <laughs> and you know what? Um, I actually kind of really want to see what Mira says about me because Mira and I had no game relationship whatsoever, and I really wanted to just have like dragged me just in all of her confessionals. I think that'd be hilarious. And I, yeah, and I'm all about funny. So, you know, I hope that's the case. Oh, there were definitely some funny moments. Um, speaking of funny moments, so we've, we've been very serious in, uh, in this finale chat. So let's, let's, let's flip that switch to funny for a little bit. There were also, you know, again, you've been together for 52 days. You've been with me online for 52 days as well. So we've all been through a lot of stuff in this game. A lot of things happen, both funny, both not um, serious and everything in between. So what were some of your favorite moments from the season that were a little more on the lighthearted side? And Ian, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I really enjoyed telling Myra that I was going to vote her out on her birthday. Like, that's definitely up there for me. I, I really wish it had actually happened. But, you know, the fact that I was able to even have that conversation, it, it just cracked me up. I'm sorry. I, that, that's the sort of thing I enjoy. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I joked a lot with, like, Jen, with JP, J-Hard, um, even Carrie. And Carrie and I had more sweet moments than, like, like, like ha-ha funny moments. But... I enjoyed a lot of this cast. Uh, I would say my funniest moments were probably with Jen, because like we we joked around and like we we ragged on each other quite a bit. So there's not some, anything specific, but like we just you know, and whenever we talked, we would basically insult each other to our faces and enjoy it. So that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that I'm gonna remember after the season is over. But like when you talk about specific moments, definitely the Myra moments come to mind for me. Yeah, um, I'm back. I'll, I'll work in an answer to the first question that I missed, and then I'll take this one. Sorry to like butt in right there. Uh, for post-game content, I'm most excited for. Um, I'm a glutton for punishment, and I'm like 99.99% sure that the exit interview with Sue is going to be the one that is the most bitter towards me. So I'm curious to see how that went. Um, but also, I'm excited for the pregame podcast because I think it's always fun when like. People make predictions, and then you see if they turn out to be right or not. As for funny, funniest moments of the game, I really enjoyed uh, Katya taunting me about how Kaser-proof the advantages were, and then me kind of just saying, hold my beer, and going and doing the thing. I also, like, the host banter in Euro is always one of the best parts, and watching Annie not know how to react to, like, me being nice to her was fun. Uh, as far as players, funniest chats were definitely with Jin. It felt like we were. She was a Bond villain, and I would just like try to make her plans more evil. So that was a lot of fun. I also really enjoyed uh, uh, working with Ian, for real, because Ian and I have both been around in this community for a very long time. But usually, if we're in the same game as each other, we're on separate tribes, and one of us doesn't make merch. So just like having a moment where like, all right, we're going to be allies. We're going to do this thing. We're going to work to the end. That was really, really special. And I'll remember that for a long time. Uh, most fun. Well, my answer should be reuniting with Carrie because that girl, I love her so much. But the actual answer is I really enjoyed flirting with everybody. I'm, I know it's going to get like get my teeth kicked in, but you know, it was fun. I... I got bored really easily, so flirting with people was sort of just my escape from doing that. Um, especially Sue. Uh, 
Yeah. As a whole, getting to talk to people was great. Um, I just, I found it, I found it pretty enjoyable as a whole, though, just to keep it lighthearted and flirt with anything that walked. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I'm also, uh, Kaysa, I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed the host banter because I think Annie and I ragged on you probably more than anyone else with the exception of, uh, I once referred to Kenny's abominations against food as um, family dollar food porn. But other than that, um, I did not uh, say anything. I, I was definitely most most uh, ra ragging on you just because, like, I literally, like I said, I, I went on, I, before the season, I was like, I got to find a way to make sure that these challenges I come up with are not too easy for Kaser because Kaser bludgeoned through everything I threw at him in season four. And you still came up with three idols, which is a Euro Survivor record for a single season, by the way. Uh, Candace came into possession of three in Ukraine, but she gave one immediately away to Andy, so she to Annie, so she never possessed three at one time uh, like you did. So major props to you uh, again on that. But yeah, I, I really am glad you enjoyed the banter because sometimes I do worry that like I kind of go over the line a little bit, maybe even like I'm unprofessional a little bit. So I'm glad to hear that it was enjoyed on the whole. And uh, not like, because I think a lot of hosts take themselves a little too seriously. I think you know who I might be giving a shot to there. <laughs> so we are now getting close to, uh, we're getting close to vote review. We're 45 minutes away. I think all three of you are mute. Can you three hear me, by the way? Because it's radio silence and I want to make sure. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, can, okay. I can hear you. I've just got my mic muted like a good noodle. <laughs> okay, no, you definitely, well, I would hope the teacher uh, is a good noodle. So one thing I want to mention, see to that case, um, I think just because obviously I had favorite moments throughout the season, uh, you know, with, with all of you, Kaser, with you, it actually wasn't when you found one of my idols that I literally set up so you couldn't get. It was actually any time you would ask me questions in the live confessional you asked me to make you, where it was like, repeating a rule and i'm sitting there laughing because i'm like here i'm trying to teach reading comprehension to a teacher those are probably my favorite moments with you i still can't read like it's still true i i promise i won't tell your boss although if he finds this on anchor fm i guess you'll have some explaining to do <laughs> yeah i think i'd have to explain way more than just not being able to read if he found out about orcs <laughs> i think so too i think so too but we all uh, we all love you so Again, uh, we're just counting down the minutes at this point. I'm going to, while you guys answer this next set of questions, uh, I'm going to put, I'm going to go and put the podcast up. So give me a couple of minutes to try to, try to make this answer to this question last a little bit longer. So um, I asked this question to everybody on the podcast and we'll do it a little bit earlier uh, tonight, just because there's still other things I want to get into before we read the votes live on the air. Um, so what do each of you think ultimately your legacy in Euro Survivor is, if this is the last time uh, you set foot on the European continent here uh, in Belgrade, and which location that you've been part of uh, was your favorite? It's okay if you don't say this season. Ian, we'll start with you. Oh, and give a reason why for that last question. Ian, we'll start with you. I'm going to mute for several minutes so I can go upload these damn podcasts for you guys. Um... My legacy, um, I, I, I almost see my legacy as a two-parter instead of a three-parter because like, I feel like season five was more of a variation, but like season two and season 
six Ian, both Ian's were sort of like an optimistic kid almost. Uh, just, you know, not really as focused on like the strategy of it as maybe he should have been, but instead like enjoying people's company. Like back in season two, I was like smitten with Dorothy. I just loved hanging out with her every chance I got. And here I was smitten with multiple people like Jen, Carrie, you know, even at points, Kazar and Tim. And so my legacy, I think, is just going to be of that, you know, sort of like basically like you know, Thomas the Tank Engine. You see this adorable little engine and you want him to do well. At least that's what I'm hoping people think of me when, you know, they think of me in the context of Euro. At least that's how I view myself in the context of Euro. Um, and for that reason, I think my favorite season is probably all the way back in season two. Uh, I was a completely different player back then, but I still had that sort of, you know, naive optimism. And I felt like I had a lot more energy uh, where now I'm much older and I don't put in as much time as I put in back then. And I was able to sort of have a lot more like cool moments back in season two, whether it be the mini where I was able to step down and fulfill my Eon arc, you know, fucking around with Bernie, you know, joking around with, uh, with Dorothy. Uh, all of, you know, my relationship with Tim back in season two, it was a completely different dynamic, but it was still interesting to the point where, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell when Tim was being like honest with me and when he was just straight up playing me. And, you know, it, it was interesting. It was fun to sort of experience that side of him and now to have experienced such a different side of Tim. Where he was basically the person like who was completely honest with me for, you know, for most for the most part and who I felt like I had like immense trust in who I saw as a dependable ally all the way through. So the, the evolution of my relationship with Tim is one of my like Euro highlights. And just thinking back to season two uh, makes it all the more special where our relationship was so different than what it is now. So I think I look back more fondly on season two, uh, although I did enjoy the season a lot as well. But it's probably going to be what I think back on more. Yeah, I think my favorite location that I was in for Euro Survivor is definitely going to be the Balkans. I just feel like it had a higher, like, cumulative total of moments that I was, like, either laughing out loud or had my jaw on the floor or just was having these really visceral emotional reactions to things that were going on. And that makes for a really memorable experience. I hope that my legacy in Euro Survivor ends up being... Kind of like I posted in the answer to Kel's question, but with the whole Alexander Hamilton thing and his song, My Shot, like I hope the legacy is he didn't throw away his shot. I don't know if it paid off or not, but at least I took the shot. And as long as like that's the legacy, then I'm going to be content. Okay, so before I get to what I think my legacy is, Ian, you saying that to me, your, our, the evolution of our relationship is one of the things that I will take away from this experience because I know I dicked you around in season two, but you were my one and done by the end of this game. So I, I, uh, I'm glad to hear that you felt the same way. Uh, as for my legacy, is, uh, is Dumb Slut allowed to be my legacy? Uh, outside of that, maybe something to do with Exile King. Um, I mean, I am the only winner to have made it to the finals. A second time, so that might be part and parcel with what it is. I, I've I've left my mark on this series. I don't know if they've all been good or bad or what have you, but um, there's there, there's a lot to Tim that I feel could be 
part of my legacy and, you know, pick something. I just realized that I was muted. Um, go me. Uh, this is your host, everybody. Anyway, uh, what I was saying was, Tim, I think you have a lot to be proud of me. You definitely had a lot of moments, um, you know, both, both good and bad. You definitely had, I think, out of all three of the finalists, I think you've definitely had, over the course of your two seasons, the most bumpy roller coaster of a ride through not only your first season, but your second season. Because in your first season, it didn't start out so great for you. You were in an alliance with... Uh, Tiffany and Holly, they were picked off. Then you went through that swap where you didn't go to tribal council, and then you got into a merge, and suddenly you turned from, like, you know, hanging on by a thread to, like, the mafia boss of the merge. And then this season, um, you know, you were very, very universally beloved early on. I can reveal this now. The votes are in. Um, and it was almost like a, a mirror image of, uh, of, of Benelux from a viewing perspective, because at the start of Benelux, you were very, very, you know, Team oriented, and while you never lost that loyalty this time, I think you were still always looking out for yourself more and more as the thing went through. And you, you had the same crisis of confidence that you had uh, in Benelux, although you said in Benelux it was more of a strategic front to get people to lower their guard. So, go on record this time, Tim. Was it again one of those fronts, or was it much more this time the genuine you felt like your number was up all the time, you were always worried? Because um, they all called you paranoid. I'm going to reveal that now before the confessionals open. That was a prevalent theme with you, Tim. Well, I mean, I was paranoid. I came in with a massive target on my back. It, I mean, it goes without saying. I had arguably the worst reputation. Actually, maybe it's not arguably. I did have the worst reputation of every winner coming into this thing. I was disconnected from the org community. I hadn't played in five years. And I had a cast of people that were mad at me. Um, Saying being parent or being paranoid was, you know, it, it was just something that was going to happen. Um, and you know what? I was paranoid from the start to the end. Uh, so at least it was consistent. That and being you said, up here, yeah. that being said, I was genuine this season. All of my emotions came out. You know, outbursts, crying, happiness. I built genuine relationships, and I didn't get that opportunity in season two. And that was because of who I was at that time. And so, yes, season two had a much different version of me. This time I can sit here saying everybody got to experience at least some form of me. Well, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, we all strive to be our most authentic selves, even if it can, uh, if it can sometimes get us in trouble in a game about lies and deceit. But uh, so we are now at 35 minutes away from uh, the results post starting to go up. Um, I hope that you, I hope that you're all excited, but a little bit nervous. I mean, you you guys all put blood, sweat, and tears into this. Uh, in Tim's case, somewhat literally, as he he literally had a seizure, and he told me several times in the final week, and he thought his arm was going to fall off. So uh, I just want to give a sh so. Uh, how much was your arm throbbing, Tim? Answering nineteen jury questions. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Um, well, it's feeling okay now uh, because it's had some That's opportunity good. to rest. Um, yeah, the first, I mean, it felt worse, at its worst during the final six competition where we had to do that stupid refresh on the ball challenge on the board. That was that was not so great on my arm. Um, after that, I sort of just kept it easy. Uh, 
I took questions and strides. I took lots of breaks. So, you know, it's all good. Stitches are out, so we're we're good here. I am very glad to hear that. So to, to, to pivot back a little bit and to Nikki in the chat, no, we are reading these votes at 9 o'clock. So you're just going to have to be patient and deal. Um, we got 30 more minutes to kill here. It's just it's a live show. We're going to come up with things. Um, so now I've posted the list of items that uh, were on the Exile Island grid. So Ian was the most curious about them. So now you've seen them. You've seen where the idols are. Um, what do you think of the items that were there? And also, what do you think about the fact that even though I said it was all random and all of that, I don't, I don't know if you noticed based on the numbering and the lettering, every letter, A through J, and every number, 1 through 10, was only ultimately used one time. Uh, so what was it uh, genuinely random, or like did you plan it to be that way? Oh, no, I plotted where they were. No, no, no. Okay. I just meant like people were taking random shots. And the one thing, and I'd love to maybe get your thoughts on this, even though it was you know, ancient history now, and I'll... Ian, answer that question, then anything into this one. This is for all of you, and Ian, you can answer it first, then we'll go in alphabetical order. Um, so the one thing that I found interesting um, about the Exile Island grid when there were digs to be made on that grid was that even though I told you guys that even though you're four times more likely to come up with something, uh, if you guess an, uh, a square that ends in an odd number, um, the idols that expire before the merge are on the even squares and very few contestants actually dug on those even squares so i just wanted to know maybe why you thought that was and also answer the first question uh so the items in and of itself yeah they they seem to be a good balance of you know things that you would generally find uh on grids or in auctions and such you know, which, you know, which makes sense uh, as far as the twist goes. I think I encountered all of them in the game except for the ticket to ride, uh, which I think Jen had. I could be wrong about that, but she had mentioned she something did. about having something like that which expired. And she didn't want to use it because she didn't want to abandon her allies. Which, you know, that, that's just the kind of game that Jen was playing with. She was looking out for her allies as best as she could. Um, but yeah, uh, as to the point of people not digging for pre-merge idols, I mean, th I think that makes sense because not a lot of people wanted to play just to make merge slash jury. Like people wanted to make sure they maximize their chances to get all the way to the end and potentially win. And the idol hunting sort of mirrored that mindset. And I feel like that's pretty respectable and you know somewhat understandable for an all-star game where you don't really just want to play for placement you want to play to sort of make your mark on the series uh, in a lasting way and you know I, I respect that i respect that about the people who went to exile and who made the decisions that they did because i didn't go to exile until the very end so but i if i would have i would have done the same thing i wouldn't have bothered digging for the pre-merge idols i would have dug for the other items so it's, it's, it's in line with what how my approach would have been. Yeah, and we were also told if you go for the uh, whichever odd or even number it was, one was more likely to get something. And I think getting something at a higher rate is a better shot than like going for a potentially more powerful item that you're not as likely to get. For me, I just didn't care. I just picked whatever <laughs> numbers I liked. And I was, well, at first I thought that the, I assigned all of the, the letters and numbers so that I got good numbers. Um, I, uh, I mean, I wound up with an advantage. And eventually my strategy turned, well, let's just pick the odd numbers. 
I mean, I wound up with one of those silly pre-merge idols after it was had expired, so didn't do me a lot of good there. Um, but yeah, initially, I just picked the numbers that I liked. I mean, easy enough. I just think it's an interesting discussion to have, and that, that was, and I'm glad to hear that. Like that was that was the full intent of that conundrum was, you know, do I go for something that may not be able to get me out of a bind, but could have, but could could potentially get me out of a or do I put all my chips on the table and do I go for something that definitely, if I find myself in a bind, it'll get me out of it. Uh, and I think that's interesting that you all kind of had a similar take on that. I think it depends too. You guys can answer yes or no. I think it depends too on how you feel about your position in the game. If you feel like you are in good position to make the merge, you're probably going to go for the odd squares, which all three of you when you were on Exile did feel that way. If, however, you feel like you're on the bottom of your tribe, it might be worth selling out trying to get that even island. Right. I, I agree with that. But I, I guess for me personally, I, I never did feel like I was on the bottom uh, during the pre-merge. Uh, even though I was blindsided during the Joe vote, I, I didn't necessarily feel like I was in immediate danger. So yeah, for me, like just having a pre-merge idol really wouldn't have been worth it. Um, so yeah, I, that's why I would have gone for something more long-term uh, on an orange square. Yeah, so we're not, it doesn't seem like we're going to get any more uh, rebuttals on that, but I think it was a definitely an interesting uh, conundrum. So, uh, you know, obviously, Kaser knows where the items for the idol hunt are. Um, I believe Tim and Ian never, did, did either of you ever hunt for the idol that was there, or because you knew it was gone, you never tried for it? Would you want to know where the items are? There are some people here who might love to know. I, I do want to know, but yeah, I never actually got the chance to hunt for it because by the time I reached Exile, I think that was already gone. Like There was no more dig. All right. So uh, for those of you who are listening in the audience who tried for the idol, and there are many of you who did not come remotely close to finding it, you're now going to find where exactly uh, those items were. Sue knows where they were. She found them all, but she never broke through. Uh, well, she, she never got to the very end of the puzzle. And even as she had, it was already gone. Um, however, the five items that you had, so it was like a... So I think outside of Tim, uh, you know, Ian won Expedition, and um, I know that, Casey, okay, so you've played Expedition, correct? You're Rob's Bachnick there, right? Yeah, I was. So I got this idea from the Expedition series. Um, I played Season 4. I got to 6th place. That was Season uh, our friend Ian won. And one of the things that were part of that was there was this safari where you had one hour from the time you posted uh, this password to go through as many challenges as you could uh, to try to get an immunity idol at the very end of it. So um, I got the inspiration from that. But because I had the Exile Island grid, I, um, I didn't put any other items in the idol hunt because that would negate the purpose of having the Exile grid, right? So it was a little bit different. Um, so for this, I had a similar idea, except for I did it like a wild goose chase where I told you, uh, because this is All-Stars, and it's like, uh, I believe it was Ian who alluded to it, it is a celebration of the first generation of Euro Survivor, which took six years. So one of the things that I still want to do is, okay, I want to hide one of the items in, in each season. And the, the only clue you got was that, um, you know, this was something that was very blatantly, very obviously out of place. And uh, Kaser, you know, you found all the items. Would you say that uh, the place I hid them met those criteria for all five? Yeah, I would. So they were blatant. So first of all, the first one you had to find was you had to. So in season one, Joaquin uh, was the victim of a penalty vote 
from uh, the auction at the final eight. And I put the penalty vote. It obviously got posted in Tribal Council. It obviously got posted in Joaquin's confessional. I then went and hit it as well in the one confessional that our second boot, Olavia, made. Olavia, by the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, died of a drug overdose two years ago. So it was a way to kind of pay tribute mm. to her as well. Uh, I hit it in Olavia's confessional. And that was where I hid the penalty vote in the confessionals. That was number one. Season two, we had a live challenge where we had to do, it was called Bagnell Stabber. Tim competed in it, where you had to face a certain number, of, you had to put a certain number of blocks in a certain order. And I put one line of Dustin's number blocks in uh, Nikki's 13 archetypes thread in the Prediction Writers Lounge in season two. Uh, so obviously, again, out of place, shouldn't be there. Uh, I put the, a gift from a cutthroat Christmas in Ukraine in an advertisement on the board. The one that was very deepest, though, was season four's where I hid, uh, I hid Kaser's love potion in a spoiler tag on the 15th page of Haley's last Redemption Island duel challenge, the one that Kaser and Tim flipped the coin for instead of actually doing. I hid it in a spoiler <laughs> tag on page 15 of that board. And the last one was a glass slipper from Chrissy Rellis Kessel, hidden in the, dire, hidden in the uh, signature of prediction writer Angelina Jolie's signature line. So I think safe to say... Ian, you know, you are someone who's played a lot. I hope you're at least, frankly, you are the one I want to impress most here because you've played <laughs> everything under the sun. I hope you're a little impressed by how far I went to hide those. For sure, yeah. It definitely would have taken some, like, hardcore searching for, at least if I attempted it, for me to find this. And I'm not surprised Chrissy was able to find it because she's really good at, like, board searching. But, yeah, the and especially the sort of head nods to... The, the players that were key players in their respective season, obviously the first two winners, and then Kazar, and then, you know, uh, Chrissy's uh, slipper in season five. All, all good, all good choices, I think. And definitely, and I don't think there was any better way you could have made it Kazar proof, because there's really no way to game it. it it's like brute force effort. <laughs> so the fact that he ended up with it is just uh, funny. But yeah, I think it was a good, it was a good mechanic, for sure. Yeah, yeah, to be so, fair, it was definitely queso proof. It was not Chrissy proof. <laughs> it was not that's what did it. <laughs> yes. Well, I kind of knew, I, I kind of figured going in, I was like, Chrissy or Sue is probably going to want to find this idol because they, or Ian, if he like finds a way to like sift through, but I don't know if Ian would have had, but I, I like, if I would have handicapped bet on it, I would have bet on Ian, Chrissy, or Sue to be the one to come up with uh, that idol. And Chrissy came. Very, 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 very close to getting it. In fact, um, she solved it in the in the hour time loop that she had. She got all the way to the final question, but she did not answer. Uh, well, Kaser, uh, actually, this is kind of your story. Um, how did how did you help Chrissy solve it, and what was the final answer? Since you know those answers. Oh yeah, it wasn't the final answer, but it got we got to a riddle, and I forget the exact text of the riddle, but it was asking for a place that went by different names. And in the middle of Chrissy's idol hunt, she messaged me and I was just at school and I happened to check my phone at that time. And I was like, uh, Constantinople? And that was the right answer. Uh, mainly because I'm a big nerd and I grew up listening to the song that's about Istanbul or Constantinople. Well, the other part that you're forgetting is at the very end, there's those three questions. The question about what two movies are in a screenshot. And then the third question is in what location are both those screenshots taken at? And the answer is the Basilica Cistern in Istanbul. So that is how you came across the idol. So there were several steps to get there. Like you said, it was case approved, but uh, 
Yeah, Chrissy got all the way to that last question, um, and she said some cathedral in Istanbul. She did not say uh, the Basilica Cistern. And one round later, Kaser, because she uh, she missed her 50-50 shot, you got your idol. One of three. Was that close? Yeah. Thank you, Chrissy. Yeah, I'm sure if she was on this call, she'd appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, so that was, I think, one of my favorite things from the season was doing that uh, that. That's that uh, that's that nod to expedition, um, considering you know that I think highly of that series. So um, we are about ready to wrap up. Um, so we're not reading the notes till nine. I'm insisting I'm going to add as I'm going to add as much filler as I need to do. That you're just going to have to deal. I'm not doing this for nine. But uh, so we're getting close to those final. We're we're the final twenty minutes of Euro Survivor here in. Uh, in Belgrade. This is kind of a nerdy question. I know Kaser is the answer for Kaser, but I'm going to ask him it anyway, as well as the rest of you. So, um, what was your favorite challenge from this season? And I hope that traveling in the Balkans has made you maybe a little curious about traveling to see them yourself. They're definitely off the beaten path. They're not your typical Italy, France, UK, Spain. Um, and that's one of the goals of Euro Survivors, to get people curious about these other locations that don't pop up in the consciousness of Westerners quite as much. So I know it's a double-edged question, but uh, Ian, we'll start with you. Uh, I mean, I'll start with the challenge question first. Um, definitely, even though the challenge is very physically taxing, I think the, the one where we're holding on to bags all night, it's, it's my favorite challenge in part because, you know, I'm able to do it. I'm able to stay awake when needed. And... Secondly, I think it's the challenge which builds a lot of your team spirit. Your, your team morale really goes up as you're doing that challenge together. Even if you lose, which thankfully we didn't. But even if you lose, just knowing that there are people who are sacrificing sleep and who are sacrificing all the comforts in the world just to stay up with you, just to sort of help you and themselves in this challenge fighting together. Uh, that, that was just a great sort of feeling at the time. And the fact that we won, the fact that I was able to hold on to my bag the whole time, that, that was just a bonus. But that was definitely my favorite challenge and where I, I personally felt rejuvenated, like coming out of that challenge. I was like, okay, I can do this. I can go the distance if I apply myself to it. And it, it was definitely a huge like motivating factor for me. Um, as to the traveling through the Balkans, uh, I'm not much of a traveler, so that doesn't really affect me as much like the location where we are. Uh, but overall, I think the locations that I've seen uh, in Euro Survivor that I've been a part of, uh, they've, they've been interesting. And if I was ever in, you know, Europe, so to speak, I would want to check these out just to, just to sort of harken back to my experiences in Euro. Like, uh, okay, if I, if I were to travel to Benelux, I would remember all the times I spent playing this game that would remind me of the memories that I had in that. So in that sense, I do feel a connection to the place, but I wouldn't say like playing this has motivated me to travel necessarily. Yeah, my favorite challenge answers are going to be similar to what Ian said. Like that bag challenge, I finally stole a bag from somebody like on the final day of it. I think it was Dorothy's bag that I stole. And I did that while I was like, out for a walk at a lake listening to podcasts and I couldn't believe it actually worked. And I definitely remember like doing like a little fist bump while I'm walking around and people at the lake were like looking at me real funny. Like what is this dude fist bumping about? But just like that feeling of accomplishment and that feeling of like you really did something. The ball challenge would also 
be there for me because I did that like from a classroom, not even my classroom, a different teacher's classroom because I was chaperoning kids at the school doing a debate tournament online. Just the fact that we got it over and done with, it was really gratifying. As far as locations I'd like to visit, I mean, I would go gladly go on a trip to just about anywhere in the world, but I have to say, I heard a really convincing pitch for a vacation to Reykjavik during this season, so I think Reykjavik's got my vote. I knew you'd go there. I absolutely knew you'd go there. No, you guys all killed it for that challenge. I'll let Tim get into it in a second here. Like, you guys all absolutely crushed it. Even, uh, you know, Bosnia and Sonogoro, which finished a distant third and fourth, you guys put in a lot of effort for that. And uh, that was probably the hardest night for us as hosts because we're like, well, we want to give immunity to everyone, but we can only give it to one. And we, we debated for hours the merits of everybody. My go? Yes, uh, it's your turn. Herbatska was robbed. Um, besides that... Uh, the capture of the flag challenge was great for me because Kaser just played that uh, captain's ticket and I didn't have to worry about actually doing anything. Uh, outside of that, though, my probably my favorite challenge was the BB Mini because, as you know, I skipped the BB Mini intentionally in Season 2. Um, so how do you... rule out of that. <laughs> yeah, I know. You told me you were going to scold me by giving me a whole bunch of votes or something or if I skipped it this time. Um, but I, I was surprised at how well I did at it. And so, you know, all things considered, I, that was a highlight for me in terms of challenges. Uh, where I like to visit, Reykjavik as well. I mean, it, the, the slideshow uh, spoke for itself. We killed that. Yeah, you guys definitely, I mean, again, that was probably one of the hardest uh, challenges to do with, like, everyone. Um, so now we are 15 minutes away. So now that it's, we, are, we, are, we are hitting uh, zero hour here, I want to ask you guys honestly, how confident are you that uh, when I read these votes, it's going to be your name? At the end of it, you're going to need at least eight to at least eight to win with the plurality, eleven to win outright. Does that feel like a big number to anybody? I mean, I definitely do not think any of us is winning with the majority. Whoever wins is winning with the plurality. Like I'm certain of that. Um, it definitely feels like a huge number. Like even eight jury votes, it, it feels like a lot, even if it's out of twenty. Um, as to your original question, or I guess. Yeah, that's what you asked. I don't feel as confident that I'm going to win. I've since the since the FTC began, I thought this was Kazar's to lose. Um, as the time has gone on, I've sort of shifted in thinking that maybe it's Tim's to lose, just because maybe I just underestimated how close people felt to him and how good his relationships were. And so I feel like I was sort of middle of the road where my gameplay wasn't as flashy as Kazar's and my relationships weren't maybe as strong or deep as Tim's. And so as time has gone on, I felt the least confident in actually coming out on top in this F3. But I do think that whoever wins is going to win by plurality and not by majority. Yeah. Um, I'm up here at Final Tribal Council against two previous winners. So I don't think I'm the percentage bet by any means here. Um, 
I don't want to get my hopes up too much one way or the other. I think it's going to be a close vote. I'm just sitting here knowing that if I get a single jury vote tonight, I will double the total number of jury votes I've received in orcs, period. And I'm really like, that's an accomplishment. That's pretty big, right? So I'll take that. Uh, for me, I echo Ian's sentiment. It's going to be a plurality. Um, somebody's going to win, and I don't think it's going to be by a huge amount. That being said, I, the confidence that I have in winning is negligible. Um, I didn't come here to necessarily showcase that I wanted to win. Uh, and I've stuck by that, but I really would... I think any of the three people here would be great representatives for the win. Um, but I just don't think it's me. Well, that, uh, that. So, Tim, uh, you know, I was mentioning, you know, you, you mentioned kind of your confidence, you mentioned all that. So, we are now minutes away from reading the votes. We just had an impromptu commercial break. We're ready to, we're ready to do it. So, Tim, win or lose tonight, you are a member of the winner's circle. No one is taking away your title, the Benelux Soul Survivor, away from you. So, what would Ian and what would Kaser, if they were to win, give each one? What would they add to the winner's circle? And then Ian, do the same for Kaser and Tim. Kaser, do the same for Ian and Tim, in that order. All right, I'm going first. Um, yes. I think they'd both be great representatives for the winner's circle. Uh, Ian's social game over the course of three seasons has been immaculate, one of the best in the series. Um, he's he's uh, People say lackadaisical and whatever, but when I was communicating with him, he was always willing to do whatever was needed for whatever plan was concocted. And, I mean, he, he's been a true teammate, friend, alliance member. I think that that's – I think he's bringing a lot of honesty and uh, positivity when he – if he were to come to the winner's circle, as for Kaser. Kaser's strategic game has been – and challenges in, in that case have been incredible. He's, uh, I mean, second to almost – second to nobody, really, in the series. Uh I don't necessarily know if we've had a winner quite like that. Um, so I think that's an interesting story and experience for us to have. Uh, I would be happy to have either of them join that group. I'll leave it at that. Uh, okay. Um, so I'll start with uh, Tim, I guess. Um, if Tim wins again, I mean, honestly, the, the comparison to Tony Vlacos is inevitable. Um, but it, it, there is a lot of merit to it because Tim's first season and Tony's win in Kagayan do have certain, you know, similarities where Tony sort of ruled his alliance with a, like an iron fist. And, you know, Tim was very dominant in his alliance. He also had an idol. Um, and in, in Winners at War, we got to see a much more social, much more friendly, goofy side of Tony. 
which you know I'm sure it was there in Kagayan. They, it was just not highlighted. But over here, if Tim wins, it's definitely not going to be because he was a strategic mastermind who controlled everything. It was because he was able to sort of dig deep into his arsenal and you know form these genuine strong relationships with people uh, without having the benefit of even meeting a lot of them before this game. And that really speaks to sort of his versatility uh, as a player. Uh, if Kezar wins, honestly, not that it needs any more proof than it there already is, but it just proves that how strong of a final three the season four ending actually was. You have Sue, who, who ultimately won and who's like such a dominant presence in Euro overall. You have Chrissy, who almost won, and then Kezar, uh, the person who was the last in Deutschland FTC coming here and basically outright dominating the game strategically and just driving the narrative of this merge almost by himself. And so he would make for a very dominant winner. And like, again, that's just expands on his legacy in season four and takes it to sort of new heights. And again, like Tim said, either winner would be an amazing representation of the season as a whole. Yeah, I think if Tim were to rejoin the winner's circle, it would be a testament to how good of a game he was able to play in Season 2, that he was able to repeat the process and nobody catching on to him. Like, I think that would be a really strong testament to his abilities as a player. And I think if Ian were to join the winner's circle, it would be a testament to just, like, the overall narrative of the series, because Ian has played so many games in this series before, that having him as the winner for the All-Star season would feel really right because like everybody would be like oh yeah it's Ian we know him like he is a good representative of what the past six seasons of Euro Survivor have meant to a lot of people yeah and um so that's my so this is my final question as I'm truthfully stalling for time so I can type up my and the winner is post um you know you mentioned so you know we've talked we hit everything so last thing is going off into the sunset here as I'm walking away to get the votes what ultimately, I'm not asking what the win would be to you, what does overall, as a whole, this series, all of you are veterans of many games, um, it says a lot when the most novice between the three of you and I is Nav, um, what does Euro Survivor mean to you? And Ian, you can lead us off with that. Um, I, like I touched on earlier, I think it's a representation of my journey as a whole. Uh, in this community, you know, in playing orgs, because I was a completely different player back in season two. Uh, I may have had more energy, but I was much greener and I didn't have the awareness and sort of the ability to think about things as broadly or uh, as from so many different perspectives as I do now. And I was very singularly focused on, you know, one aspect of the game, uh, which is not the case anymore. So winning Euro would sort of be a validation in and of itself and a representation of how far I've come from all the way back in season two, where I was just this naive kid who was sort of uh, thrown around by the eventual winner. Uh, and now I've morphed into a much more confident, a much more individualistic player who is able to take all these different aspects of the game, and, you know, maintain a perfect balance uh, without going overboard in any of them. Uh Euro for me means kind of like, I don't know, it's been like a goal. It's been like a mission to chase, like knowing how I felt at the end of season four, knowing All-Stars was coming up, knowing that I wanted to come in and play the game. But I also think Euro like 
less specifically to me. It's a game for people who care about orgs. Like, look at this cast. This was a really competitive group of people. And the fact that you rounded up all these people to play All-Stars is a testament to just how much each of these people enjoyed their original season and wanted to come back for a second chance. So I think it's always going to be one of my like happiest, well, maybe not happiest, because I definitely had some unhappy moments, but one of my like warmest, fuzziest memories of my work career. Oh, for me, Hero is complicated. Uh, I wasn't even supposed to play in this series. I had no intention in playing this series at all. Um, Katia contacted me on a whim five years ago. It's like, I need somebody to join as a replacement. I said no. She asked me again. I said no. Uh, she asked me a third time, and I said, Christ, if you really need somebody, I'll help you out. Um, so I came in. I was trying to be a different person than I was when I had quit five years ago and circumstances happened and I, you know, I reverted back to that place after trying to be the friendly, the loyal guy. Um, and this time when I came back after saying no, like three times again, um, I got to showcase that. So this series has shown me how much I've grown as a person. For me, it's not just about the game. This is something that's affected my life outside of the game. And I'm really grateful as a whole for, have had, for having had that experience because if I hadn't said yes that third time and come and join Benelux, I might still be that angry gay guy, which is not the case anymore. So... Thank you, Katia, for that, because this has been a personal journey for me the last five years. Whether or not I win this, it's not relevant to me, because I feel like I've already got the validation that I need for the work that I've put in. Thank you so much, Tim, and thank you to all of you. And for the final time this season, Ian, Casey, Tim. It's yes. time for me to go get the votes. I had to go uh, let Jack and Jack will be posting on the board for anyone who's not here. I will be posting. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to verbally reveal the vote. I will post it in the Discord, and Jack will follow with the post on the board. Um, so everyone understands that. Um, I've got. There are 20 votes in this hypothetical urn. You want to see your name? It takes at least eight to win. It takes 11 to win outright. Ian, Kaser Tim, the time has come. We are here. One of you is about to join Joaquin, Tim, William, Sue, and Ika as a winner of this esteemed series, which has lasted six years. We've had over 100 players compete. We've gone all over the European continent. And here in Belgrade, one of you is going to stand among the best of Generation 1. So, without further ado, let's find our sixth champion. And tonight, I'll be reading the votes in reverse elimination order. So I'll be starting with Adam and ending with the peanut gallery. I will read Good luck, guys. the votes. I will read the yeah. votes. Good luck, guys. Good luck. The first vote came from Adam. Adam has cast his vote for Kaser. Thank you, Adam.
That is one vote for Kaser to win the game. It took me a second to find it because he didn't post it in his voting history. There's his vote for those of you who want to see what it looks like. That is, we have we are at one vote Kaser. The next vote came from Jennifer. Jennifer thought very long and hard about this. She considered all three of you. Ultimately, Jennifer cast her vote for Kaser. Kaser is at two votes. Oh, thanks, Jayon. Our next vote came from the incomparable Jen Johnson. Had a good relationship with all three of you. Ultimately, Jen has cast her vote for Ian. It's two votes Kaser, mm. one vote Ian. Thanks, Jen. So, sorry, Kaser, you're not winning 20 to 0. <laughs> it's official. <laughs> Our fourth vote comes from our beloved hag, Myra Brown. Myra cast her vote for Ian. We're tied. Two votes, Kaser. Two votes, Ian. Joaquin, our original champion, our first ever winner, has cast his vote. For Ian, Ian now in the lead, three votes to two over Case. Expect Fox vote. Thanks, Walk. Our sixth vote came from Natalie, one of the most tenacious players in the history of this series, if not the most tenacious, the only person to appear as a tribe of one. She cast her vote for Ian. Ian now has a two vote lead, it's four to two in favor of Ian. Our seventh voter is JP, a fellow third placer, the only other third placer besides Kaser in this cast. JP has cast his vote for Ian. Ian is now up five to two on Kaser and Tim. Nikki Graham our original robbed goddess in this series, has cast her vote for Tim. So, Tim, you are not being shut out tonight. You're on the board. <laughs> Thanks, Nikki. Love you. It's 5-2-1. to one. So we're eight votes through. We've got 12 to go. Before I continue, any, any surprises on this count so far, guys? No. I mean, again, like I said, I did not expect Hawks vote just because we didn't really talk as much, but I do appreciate it, and yeah, I thank him for it. Sue has cast her vote for Tim. It's now five to two to two. Love you. Still anyone's game at this point, although Ian's got a bit of a lead. Our next juror, Carrie cast her vote on time last night, but did not make a parchment until mere minutes ago. She spent a lot of time on this parchment. Carrie has cast her vote for Tim, so Tim is now in second oh. place. So you got a lot of votes to read here, guys. It's five votes Ian, three votes Tim, two votes Kaser. 
Dorothy is next, one of our most beloved characters in this series by leaps and bounds. Dorothy cast her vote for Kaser. So the race is tightened again. It's 5-3-3. Three to three. Thanks, Dorothy. William is our next voter, one of the other winners in this series. William has cast his vote for Ian. So Ian is currently doubling up our other two finalists, 6-3-3. Three, three. Kel, our first, our merge boot, one of the nicest guys you'll find in, in orgs these days, has cast his vote for Kaser. That puts Kaser into second place and inches him closer to Ian. Like I said, this vote will be close. So now, I'm going to stop the count again really quickly. We're now into the people who made it to, uh, who were in the pre-merge. Some of you didn't interact with them at all. But we expected, right? It was going to be a very close vote. Tommy, our runner-up from last season, cast his vote for Tim, making this even closer. It is now Thanks, Tommy. six. It is now six four to four. Of course. Kenny, our resident food fear factor producer. <laughs> cast his vote for Tim. Tim has Aww. five. Thanks, bud. It's six, five to four. There are five votes left in this urn. Kelly voted out with an idol in her pocket after being super idle yeeted out the previous season. Cast her vote for Tim. Holy we shit. are tied between Ian and Tim with six apiece. Kaser has four and is still in the race. Thank you so much, Kelly. Bernie cast his vote for Ian. So Ian is now in the lead. However, Kaser, I want to remind you, even though there are only two jury votes left because of the pre-jury vote, you are not out of this, but you can no longer win outright. You must get all three remaining votes to force a tie with Ian. In that case, Tim would become our 21st juror and cast the deciding vote if that were to happen. Chrissy Rella, the person who gifted Kaser the idol in a way, cast her vote for Kaser. So, Kaser, you're not out of this. It's 7 6 to 5. We're still. Thanks, Chrissy. We are no closer to a winner. Tiffany, our final legitimate juror, cast her vote the winner of Euro Survivor All-Stars is not yet decided. She cast her vote for Tim and the pre-jury with that 4-3-3 vote is what it came oh down God. to. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So, Chaser, unfortunately, this means once again you have finished in third place. And I do want to tell you, I'm sorry. I know this must be hard for you, but I hope you are proud of the game you played here. You did incredibly. Um, you should be very proud of your performance here. Um, before we reveal a winner, um, obviously, you're also not, your tiebreaker vote's also not going to be needed. Uh, between these two, 
how would you have voted if you became the 21st juror? And what are some of your thoughts as we're about to reveal the final vote? Ian, and it's not even close. And I don't want to go elaborate. All right. Well, um, case you know, again, I'm, I'm sorry that it ended this way for you. So now no, we're going to add a little, we're going to add one last piece of suspense to tonight. I'm going to reveal nine of the 10 pre-jury votes. Oh, the person <laughs> whose vote tipped this scale was someone none of you really spoke to. Zach's vote was the deciding factor on this. Ian, your, your pre-jury votes came from Cindy. I'm trying to remember. Cindy voted for you. Joe voted for you. And the other Ian voted for you. Kaser, although you're out of it now, your three pre-jury votes came from Candace, Kat, and Colin. So oh, if you're God. having sadness about your social game, you had great relationships with those three. They came through for you in the end. Tim, your three, your three votes came from Heather, Kristen, and Julia. Zach voted, and because, again, this is a pre-jury vote, there is no parchment for this. The winner of Euro Survivor, the Balkans, is Ian, by a vote yeah. of eight oh my to seven God. to five. Congratulations, <sighs> Ian. After 50 rounds of Euro Survivor, you have come out <laughs> as the winner, as the last one standing. So all three of you, John, what is going through your mind after going through that vote reveal? Ian, obviously, is the winner. We're going to start with you. Uh, the ironic thing is, I think in my pre in my confessionals, I predicted that Zach would go home literally every round, even when he was not at TC. I would predict that Zach was going home. So to to have his vote sort of be the tiebreaker uh, for me to win, it's almost like a full circle moment, uh, and you know it captures my journey well. <laughs> but I again, I'm immensely grateful to everybody who voted for me. Um, I, I'm sort of getting a little bit choked up, but I don't want to cry on call. But again, thank you so much. And especially to Cartier for casting me as Ian all the way back in 2015 and sort of recognizing the potential for me to play Ian as a worthwhile character in your series. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And you're going to get and to expend your record because if we go to Generation <laughs> 2, if you have an automatic ticket, you have to be there. Oh, my so, God. <laughs> your record's going to get long. Your record's going to get hard to break, my friend. <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you so much. I, I really. I, I also just want to say, um, I basically want to give Kezar a hug. I, I know this meant a lot to him and means a I lot to you. him. And um, again, I, thank you so much, dude, for being being by my side basically throughout this whole game. I really, really appreciated you, like on a deep level. I consider you a close friend, hopefully for life. And again, thank you so much for everything that we were able to share this game. And I, I love you. I love you yeah. from my heart. Yeah, Nav, thank you for that. I appreciate it. You're a great winner for this series. I, if it couldn't have been me, I'm happy that it was you, for real. Our relationship was awesome, and I'm so happy for you. Thanks, man. And uh, my turn. Ian, yes. I told you. I told you this was going <laughs> to happen. I told you, and I'm so happy for you. Couldn't have had a better ally. Uh, welcome to the winner's circle, bud. Uh, you're amazing. Our relationship's amazing. You know, I, I'm so happy.
Right. I, I do want to say, like, like I said earlier, the, the evolution of our arc from season two to this season is just a beautiful thing. And I'm deeply appreciative of you as well for everything that we shared this game. Thanks. Thanks again. Bye. Love you, man. And uh, the last notes, Tim, I know you talked to me today. You said you thought you got three votes. So you're pleasantly surprised you came that close. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am surprised. I thought I could have slid into the runner-up spot, but I was positive Ian was running away with us. Came very, very close, guys. And thank you again uh, okay. to all three of you for a phenomenal season. Um, our last thing to note before I let Craig go, and you can all start mobbing Ian and consoling everyone else, and we can all start having a party here to start opening up the board and posting the last podcast. Our next season should be happening around Labor Day weekend. Tim, at least on one positive note, you never have to play again now. Um, <laughs> our next season will be set uh, on the beautiful island of Malta in the capital city of Valletta. So we hope to see you there. Um, and I hope that all three of you, before we head off, can, uh, can give a, a shameless, uh, anyone who listens to this in the future, convince them they should play, and then we'll head out. Uh, I, I'll go first. I, I think the Kaiser touched on this as well. The atmosphere that the hosts like create just by their friendliness and their overall presence. You know, jo- not just Katie, like Anna and Jacqueline, both of them. Like they're great. Uh, the 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 camaraderie that you feel in this season is very hard to come by in other games. And I've played basically everything that is to play. So I would definitely encourage you to give this series a try. Give your everything to it and just have fun with it. Because this series, more than any other series that I've played over the past like seven years of my playing, has given me the opportunity to just you know put my hair down and be myself and just enjoy the experience for everything that it can be and everything that it is. So again, thank you again, Katie, for letting me be a part of this. And I hope that there's many more fun and entertaining and like just emotional games to come in this series moving forward. Yeah, apply. It's fun. What other game is going to give you an immunity idol that looks like a Powerpuff Girl? You can't <laughs> get that anywhere else. The truth, or like, Mr. It, Cat. Or Miss Bianca Doll. Let's go Yeah, this game's got personality. Apply. You won't regret it. Yeah, I'll, I'll echo the sentiments of the other two. Give it, give it your all if you plan on playing, because... Lots a, a great risk often leads to a great reward. Um, the series is a reward in itself, and now some of the relationships that you make along the way are outside of here. So do it and uh, put your heart into it. Cliche, but go. Well, thank you to all three of you. Thank you to all 35 of you who competed this season of Euro Survivor. It was a big battle, it was a bloodbath, it was an all out. We had an amazing time. Um, thank you for the, for the final three. I couldn't have asked for a more competitive final travel council in an all-star season. You all have absolutely earned it. Until I'm the fall, make it we're going to be on the island of Malta. This is Kelsey Scotia for the final time. Good night from Belgrade, Serbia. Thank you, everybody. And I want these words to make things right, but